Hi everybody, this is Gloria Moraga. It's Wednesday, June 21st, 2023. First day of summer. Let's have a great summer, everyone. By the time I finish this podcast and post it, it is most likely going to be the second day of summer. But hang with me here. The top story on Thursday most likely will be India's Prime Minister, Narendra Modi, visiting Washington, D.C. Modi, on Wednesday, did yoga. He led a yoga class on the North Lawn area outside the United Nations headquarters in New York. What a beautiful shot. People sitting there on their mats doing yoga with Modi. He stopped by the UN on his way to Washington. President Biden and congressional leaders are going to roll out the red carpet for the Indian prime minister on Thursday. Now, he's a right winger. He's a right wing Hindu nationalist leader. He is here in the United States for an official visit. Modi will address a joint session of Congress and will be honored at a White House state dinner. Now, the state dinner is a diplomatic honor, usually reserved for close allies. He is not a close ally, but Biden wants to change that. On Sunday, many Indian Americans took to the streets in major cities across this country for an India Unity Day. It was kind of a march designed to welcome Modi to the United States. The marches were organized by the American overseas arm of Modi's right-wing party. It was a show of support. Modi has faced criticism for presiding over human rights violations and an erosion of India's democracy and a crackdown on India-controlled Kashmir. So why, you may ask, are we honoring him if he is a right-winger violator of civil rights? Well, India, like Ukraine, is important to the United States for strategic reasons. Strategically important. Because if China or Russia take steps to threaten the United States, We have those countries as our allies. And now, more than ever, it's important to do this. Planning ahead. Thank you, President Biden. An update on Trump. Trump's legal team now has access to discovery evidence, including witness lists. Now, these are the witnesses who testified before the grand jury. These are the witnesses who told true stories about Trump and the documents, and that's why the grand jury indicted Trump. So, wow, Trump and his lawyers now have this information. And I'll just read. This is a story that was broken by Politico. Politico's Kylie Cheney did the reporting here. So the Department of Justice handed over discovery evidence. It includes witness lists 
DOJ, quote, says it has made its first production of trial discovery to Donald Trump and his team, which means he knows who's going to testify against him and roughly what they are going to say. Now, this is all according to court records obtained by reporter Cheney. Trump, however, cannot share the material publicly. So that's why we haven't seen him tweet it out or, you know, whatever his platform is. On Monday, a federal judge approved a protective order special counsel Jack Smith sought to prevent the former president from sharing potentially sensitive information. Now, that information is according to ABC News. Yeah, Trump can't share it. And he can't, you know, threaten these people, which is really important that Jack Smith sought that protective order and that the federal judge approved it. Because we don't need him to be making nasty statements about people and putting their lives in danger. And then the report from Political goes on to say Trump was charged with 37 counts in connection with his handling of classified documents at his Mar-a-Lago estate. Now, I just thought this was interesting. I'm calling it other spies or others who have stolen classified documents. And I found this story, and it says, a former FBI intelligence analyst from Kansas was sentenced to nearly four years in prison on Wednesday. According to the article, this case bears parallels to that of former President Donald Trump, including the same charge of willful retention of national security secrets. So this woman got four years in the clinky. The analyst, Kendra Kingsbury, 50, was accused of improperly removing and unlawfully taking home about 386 classified documents to her personal residence in Dodge City, Kansas. She pleaded guilty to two counts of violating the Espionage Act. During her sentencing hearing in federal district court in Kansas City, Mo, Miss Kingsbury said she was loyal and she did not apologize for taking the records. She was, quote, guilty of being too honest, Miss Kingsbury said, because she had told the FBI in late 2017 that she had the documents. She criticized investigators, accusing them of vilifying her character. Who do these people think they are? Why do you take their documents? Just don't take them. Some of the documents would have revealed, quote, government's most important and secretive methods of collecting essential national security intelligence, prosecutors wrote in a sentencing memo, adding that she removed sensitive documents during the more than 12 years she worked in the FBI's office in Kansas City. What took them so long? I mean, you you either can or you can't take the documents. Don't take them. Don't break the law. And then you won't get in trouble. It's as simple as that. So I I was um, taking a break the other day, and I sat down. I was looking for a movie to watch, and 
The movie's called Reality. And I thought, wow, what is this? So first, let me share this story with you. This is posted June 14th, 2021. So this happened two years ago. Quote, Reality L. Winner, what a name, a former National Security Agency contractor who was the first person prosecuted during the Trump administration on charges of leaking classified information has been released to a halfway house, her lawyer announced on Monday. Now, the movie, the reality of the title is Reality Winner. A national security agency contractor who leaked a document regarding Russian hackers seeking to interfere with the 2016 presidential election, and she was subsequently sentenced to five years in federal prison, the longest sentence ever imposed for that crime. Miss Winner's case was the subject of an intense public campaign to win her a pardon or clemency, but she was released early for good behavior in prison, not because of outside advocacy or compassionate release. It was her good behavior that shortened her 63-month sentence, her lawyer said. Okay, I highly recommend this movie. It was great. It was weird. It was scary. Scary, but not. You know, I mean, wouldn't you be scared if you're just coming home from running errands and two FBI agents approached you? And like her big concern and their big concern was that her dog not be harmed and that her cat be taken care of. And she had a pink... um AK-47. Yeah. She said, they they said, do you have any um, weapons in the house? And she said, well, I have an AK-47 under my bed. And then they looked at each other, the two FBI agents, and then one of them said, is it pink? And she said, yes. But she was a, a former, she was in the military. And she spoke or speaks multiple languages. Like she speaks Farsi. And so that's what she was doing. They only show this briefly, but she really hated the fact that they always had Fox News on the television in her office. And she said it was just sickening that she had to listen to Fox News, you know, lies, all their lies about um, the Russians and Russian hackers. And she had some information and that's apparently what she really, what she leaked. I'm not sure. The movie is called Reality. And her name is Reality L. Winner. W-I-N-N-E-R. Pretty good. All right. Twelve and a half years. A California man who drove a stun gun into the neck of District of Columbia Peace Officer Michael Fignon was sentenced to twelve and a half years on Wednesday. This was one of the most violent clashes of the U.S. Capitol riot and insurrection. And this guy, Daniel Rodriguez, 40, of Fontana, California, was sentenced. Twelve and a half years. It was one of, one of the longest sentences of all the scumbag rioters. So Fioni was there. He 
testified. And he said he doesn't care about Daniel Rodriguez. He stopped thinking about Daniel Rodriguez a long time ago. He said, quote, pursue an indictment against Donald Trump. Benoni told the room full of federal prosecutors, no one in this country is above the law. Good for you, officer. I, I love this guy. His life was ruined. He lost his job. He had a heart attack. He was horribly beaten. He got trapped down in there with the rioters. He spent some time, you know, doing, I don't know if he still does, uh, CNN doing analyst stuff. I don't know if he's still doing it because I stopped watching CNN. What a great officer and what a scumbag this Daniel Rodriguez is. And he got up and started talking about how he had a bad childhood. Well, you know what? Get over it. We all had bad childhoods. I've never met anybody who had a great childhood. When Rodriguez got up and started talking about his, oh, woe is me, I've had a sad life, Fanon got up and left the courtroom in disgust. Speaking of disgusting, this is disgusting. I'm going to read from the Washington Post. The GOP-led House formally censored Representative Adam B. Schiff, Democrat of California, on Wednesday over his role investigating former President Donald Trump, the first in what could be a series of votes seeking to punish those whom Republicans have deemed the party's enemies. So when did it become about Republicans? Why is this important to America? that Republicans get up and waste time censoring a wonderful Congress member. The censure passed by party line vote of 213 to 209 with six Republicans, six, trying to have some sort of backbone, but not really, voting present. The measure had the backing of Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who's totally lost control of the House. You should see this vote. I was going to play some audio, but it doesn't play well just as audio. You need to look at the video. And I did post a video on TikTok and on YouTube, so take a look at it. Yeah, Kevin McCarthy has lost it. Its lead sponsor is Representative Anna Pauline Luna. Oh, I please, God, I don't know her. Apparently, she hasn't done much. Uh, she hasn't introduced many bills. She's a Republican from Florida. She had to alter the language of the bill to remove a multi-million dollar fine because some Republicans viewed it as unconstitutional. I mean, what they know about the Constitution is nothing. I don't want to quote her because I just refuse. So I, it's here. I'm not going to read it. I will read this part. It is rare for a member of Congress to be censored. Punishment that amounts to a public rep reprimand. The House has censored members just 24 times in the chamber's history and typically only after finding a wrongdoing, uh, which Schiff did not do any wrong. He um, led the investigation into Trump and his ties to Russia, and he led um, one of the impeachments. 
he was doing his job for the American people. And they're doing this and wasting time, time, time. Before shift, just two members of the House had been censored in four decades. You know how much work there is to do and how they promised they were going to do all this stuff? They were going to take care of the economy. They were going to work on inflation. We have a fentanyl crisis. We have a gun crisis. You, did you hear the story? We have grifters, thieves, stealing millions and millions of COVID dollars that was supposed to help businesses get back on their feet during the pandemic. It's been stolen. Now people are saying, we don't know if we'll ever get it back. We don't even know where the money went. And they're doing this. Democrats erupted in chants of shame at the Republicans after the vote. They surrounded Congressman Schiff in a protective circle as he walked to the well of the House to receive the censure. Representative Eric Solwell, a Democrat from California as well, wonderful man, called out that the proceedings were a disgrace. I agree. Now, this is investigative journalism at its best. This is from ProPublica. And I'm calling this the unethical Supreme Court. It gets worse. So that's me saying that. It gets worse. It's just between that Clarence Thomas taking all the stuff from this rich guy. Now there's this. This is a quote from the, um, from the article, ProPublica. Quote, in early July 2008, Samuel Alito, Supreme Court Justice, stood on a riverbank in a remote corner of Alaska. The Supreme Court Justice was on vacation at a luxury fishing lodge that charged more than $1,000 a day. And after catching a king salmon nearly the size of his leg, Alito posed for a picture. This Alito guy, he's a real scumbag, too. To his left, a man stood beaming. Paul Singer, a hedge fund billionaire who has repeatedly asked the Supreme Court to rule in his favor in high-stake business disputes. Singer was more than a fellow angler. He flew Alito to Alaska on a private jet. If the justice chartered the plane himself, the cost would have exceeded $100,000 one way. I mean, tell me this doesn't disgust you. And the article goes on, quote, In the years that followed, Singer's hedge fund came before the court at least 10 times in cases where his role was often covered by the legal, press, and mainstream media. In 2014, the court agreed to resolve a key issue in a decades-long battle between Singer's hedge fund and the nation of Argentina. Alito did not recuse himself from the case and voted with the 7-to-1 majority in Singer's favor. The hedge fund was ultimately paid $2.4 billion, B, with a B, Dollars. Dirty, man. This is dirty. Alito did not report the 2008 fishing trip on his annual financial disclosures. By failing to disclose the private jet, 
Singer provided, Alito appears to have violated a federal law that requires justices to disclose most gifts, according to ethics law experts. Experts said they could not identify an instance of a justice ruling on a case after receiving an expensive gift paid for by one of the parties. Wow. Something needs to be done with the Supreme Court. And because we have these Republicans in the Congress who just are wasting time in the name of Donald Trump because they want their daddy to say something good about them, we're going to have this going on with the Supreme Court. And oh yeah, Mitch McConnell won't back any kind of a ethics law requiring the Supreme Court to follow the freaking rules. All right. So it's Wednesday, June 21st. Now, Thursday, June 22nd. It's about 12.20 a.m. And according to reports, the five men who climbed into a tiny submarine to plunge down into the ocean to explore the wreckage of the Titanic are running out of air and they could be out of air in the next couple of hours. I think it was like 7 a.m. or 5 a.m., something like that. Thursday morning is when they are scheduled to run out of air. That sub, which everybody seems to be watching and there's massive search efforts going on, that sub went missing while carrying five people to the wreckage of the Titanic on Sunday, I believe. They had um, less than 40 hours of breathable air as of Tuesday evening. The sub had about 96 hours of oxygen at most on board, officials said. A Canadian research vessel lost contact with, with a submersible during a dive Sunday morning about 900 miles east of Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and U.S. and Canadian authorities and people from all over have been searching for it and doing all kinds of things to find this little submarine. Really expensive tourism expedition aboard the Ocean Gate vessel named the Titan. People on board? I'll just, I'll go through their names. Stockton Rush. What a name. The pilot. And I'm looking at his picture, a very handsome looking man with gray hair. He is the founder and CEO of OceanGate. Owns the vessel. He's also the, the captain. His background is Bachelor of Science degree in Aerospace Engineering from Princeton University and an MBA from Cal. Cal, if you live in California, you know is UC Berkeley. We call it Cal. He got his MBA in business from Cal. Get this. In December, Rush told CBS Sunday morning that he believed diving in his submersible was not particularly dangerous, but that he worried about something happening that would keep him from returning to the surface. I mean, if you want to be safe, don't get out of bed, he said. Don't get into your car. Don't do anything. At some point, you're going to take some risk. 
And it really is a risk-reward question. Second man in the little craft is Hamish Harding. The Washington Post says he is a tycoon and adventurer. So all these people on this little submarine are really rich. Hamish Harding is a British aviation businessman and seasoned adventurer who has set several world records for deep sea travel and circumnavigating the earth via airplane. Paul Henri Narjolet. Now, I'm trying to pronounce it like the French, but it, if I was pronouncing it like I'm from Fresno, it would be Paul Henry Narjoletti. Narjolet, nicknamed PH, has a quote, unparalleled knowledge of the wreckage of the Titanic. He's a 77 year old retired French Navy commander. He's the director of the underwater research for a media and exhibition company whose affiliate RMS Titanic is the exclusive steward of the wreck. So he is like a Titanic expert. And he served as a submarine pilot, ship captain, and deep sea diver during his two decades in the French Navy. The fourth man, Sherazad Dawood, a British Pakistani businessman, is 47, and the fifth is his son, Suleiman, 19. They're also on the expedition. Their family confirmed in a statement. They are part of Pakistan's most prominent business families. They own all kinds of things. Now, it costs $250,000 to go down in one of these little submersibles. And they're running out of air. And people are searching everywhere for them. And I hope they find them. I mean, yeah. You never know when you get out of bed what's going to happen. Yeah, we could all get hit by a car. We could all get cancer. We could all get... But, you know, I, I have claustrophobia. Bad claustrophobia. And I could not get in this. I, I mean, I look at people on uh, submarines and don't know how they do it. Sometimes when I'm in the movies and I'm sitting in the middle row, way in the middle, and the movie theater starts filling up with people, I get claustrophobic. Like, I need to get out of here. I hope they get, get them. I'm Gloria Moraga. I'm a political woman. I vote here to present news to you that in the hopes that we all realize how important it is that all the people who didn't vote in the last couple of elections need to get with the program, start paying attention to what's happening, like the censor of Adam Schiff. Why would they do that? It just makes them look ridiculous, I think. I'm sure somewhere Republicans are saying, oh, this is a good thing. Like the people who 
stormed the Capitol, thought it was a good idea at the time, but now they're going to spend 12 and a half years in jail. He ruined a man's life. He ruined a good man's life by doing that. I'm Gloria Moraga. Be safe.